today I'm with RJ Smith. Do you prefer RJ or? RJ's great. Richard. Richard, Richard's Richard's cool. a bit more casual, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think RJ sounds, it's like got street cred, you know. <laughs> okay. RJ Smith, he's an Australian writer who currently resides in Paris. He grew up in Sydney and has lived in London and Rio de Janeiro. In addition to his writing, he teaches legal English and English law at a few universities in Paris, and he's published six articles in Quillette, which is quite incredible. And his first foray into long-form fiction was with the City Limit trilogy, um, three books that were released around this time last year. So you've done a lot, RJ. How did a guy from Sydney end up in Paris teaching at the Sorbonne? Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a circuitous route but uh, basically I did a I did a master's in in the UK and I met a French girl there and uh, after a few years in London I was uh, a little bit sick of it and she moved back to Paris and so I I followed her um, unfortunately we've since uh, broke up and I uh, <laughs> okay. I've been there you know European love that's it yeah um, but uh, I'm still very happy here. I have uh, I live with my fiance here um, in Paris, and I've been here for six years now. So uh, wow, okay, yeah. But that's how I ended up here. Cool. What part of Paris are you in? You're right in the I'm center. I'm right in the center. Yeah. I most of the time I've been living sort of on the uh, outskirts in Paris, but mm -hmm. um, now I'm really central. Uh, just out my window here, I can see the St Paul's uh, Cathedral. So uh, in a really nice neighborhood. Amazing. Yeah. And what masters were you doing in London? I did a master of laws, um, focusing on uh, commercial and criminal law, and uh, that's yeah, okay. that's been my focus uh, in teaching. I teach normally criminal, corporate, and corporate criminal law. Wow. Okay. And in Paris, just before we started recording, you were telling me that you teach legal English mm. for French students who are passing the bar. Yeah. So this week and last week, we're doing the uh, exam, the entrance exams for the for the Paris bar, and they have to do a language component, which they very much resent. Um, but uh, yes, I try to be um, as delicate with them as I can because uh, uh, it's mm -hmm. not their top priority. But yeah, they they. They have to pass an English uh, oral exam, so I'm doing that this week. Nice. I taught a bit of English in Spain. Okay. But uh, mostly to children and to some adults, but they were engineers mm. and they just did it for fun, you know, to help with work, but right. not to pass the bar. <laughs> so, um, so how did you get into writing as well and how do you have time for writing? Well, it sounds like a lot, but to be honest, um, I do teach, uh, I teach at Nantes University and... Uh, and the Sorbonne, but it's only sort of a few classes per semester. Semester's only half the year. So actually in the end, I have a lot more time than all my friends who have, you know, full-time jobs. I sort of string together a few different things. So, uh, mm -hmm. um, but it actually leaves time to, to do what I'm most interested in, which is, which is writing. Cool. And um, yeah, the reason I really wanted to interview you was because I think you're the first writer who's written for us about Welbeck, who I love. And I was asking our editors for a while. I was like, oh, we should publish something on Welbeck. Um, he's so interesting. And and finally we did. And your uh, article, The Sorrow and the Self-Pity, uh, was published on the 26th of June. And it's actually uh, fairly critical of, of Welbeck and his new memoir, which I haven't yet read unfortunately um 
But yeah, how long have you been interested or reading Welbeck for? I'm relatively new to to Welbeck. He mm-hmm. uh, um, he's been writing for more than about thirty years now, I think, since about the mid '90s. Yeah, I only got into him around 2018. Uh, so I was already living in France, and so obviously, um, you yeah, you get interested in uh, mm-hmm. local writers. Um, so I just started reading mm-hmm. him in about 2018, but when I picked up his first book, uh, I just inhaled basically everything. Um, he's, uh, he, what was the first book I you picked up? I think the first one was, um, Atomized, his, uh, mm-hmm. the 1998 book for which I think he's probably most famous. Uh, it's probably his, um, most famous book with submission, but, uh, I absolutely loved Welbeck immediately. And uh, I was actually in Australia at the time, strangely enough. I think it was to get a, a visa. Um, and I was texting my my French ex saying, this guy's this guy's amazing. Uh, she didn't mm-hmm. feel the same. A lot of French people don't actually uh, love Welbeck, um, as in, so I've heard. yeah, as outside of France. Mm-hmm. He's got his, mm-hmm. um, I think he's one of those people who people love or hate. Um, but exactly. uh, yeah, for my part, I, I, I uh, I'm a big fan. Mm-hmm. So for people who don't know about Michel Welbeck, how would you uh, describe him? Yeah, he's a, he's a strange character. Um, in fact, there's even controversy about the year he was born. Some say it was, I think, wow. yeah, some say it's 56, some say it's 58. So even that, uh, so he's... Um, the mystery. He's, he's a mysterious guy, <laughs> but uh, he was born on the island of uh, Réunion, which is... Um, mm-hmm. It's an island in the south, off the southern part of Africa, um, which is uh, French territory, to hippie parents um, who pretty quickly lost interest in, in Michel, who was an only child. Uh, so he was shipped off to Fran- the mainland, France Metropole, as they say. And um, he lived with his grandparents, who were also relatively eccentric. His grandmother was a uh, a militant communist. And then he was sent to boarding school just outside Paris in a town called uh, Meaux. And then he studied, I think, agricultural engineering. And he worked basically as a, as a public servant in the sort of uh, agriculture sector. And then, yeah. Right. And uh, while he was a, a bureaucrat, he began to, to write poetry and, and prose. Um, I think he, mm-hmm. he set up a literary journal. So um, he worked his way uh, to fame uh in that way infamy infamy <laughs> almost is probably the better word yeah. yeah yeah okay so all these details about his life are starting to make sense now um about you know him studying agriculture mm. i know that he's been very vocal on um issues to do with class and proletariat and the working class and the gilets jaunes and farmers am i right in thinking maybe it was in the netherlands Perhaps it was across Europe. There was a bit of an uprising mm. of the farmers. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I believe that was in the Netherlands uh, relatively recently. I think mm-hmm. it was about six months ago, mm. Um, mm. where there was some kind of agricultural reform proposed, and uh, it uh, upset um, the, the the farming, the agricultural community uh, mm-hmm. a lot, and sort of mirroring mm-hmm. what happened in France uh, in two thousand and eighteen. Yeah. Um, and what's happening right now in Paris, like paint the picture for us there. Um, well, right now things are back to normal, but, uh, 
a couple of weeks ago, as I'm sure you you you, you saw, we had pretty extraordinary uh, rioting all across the country and um, totally bizarre atmosphere. It really seemed like the country was descending into into civil war. Um, wow. Yeah, it was, uh, um, of course, set off by this, um, the killing of this young man, Nael, uh, who was a 17-year-old and uh, was in a car, the police say. <clears throat> um, we, we don't, I don't think that all the facts are clear, but he was in a, a rental car, Mercedes, um, which uh, he was driving dangerously. He's... Uh, 17 years old there was a 14 year old in the car and uh, the police tried to 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 stop the vehicle Niall uh, I think it seems from the video tried to evade the police and was uh, then shot by a police officer and this set off um, you know this really um, extraordinary revolt um, quite frightening mm -hmm. frankly and shocking mm -hmm. uh, okay and Niall is or was Maghrebi Right, That's from right. No he, North Africa. That's right. Yeah, he was mm -hmm. a Moroccan Algerian living in Nanterre, which, mm -hmm. as I mentioned, um, I know the neighborhood because uh, I yeah, you teach. I them. teach there. Where is Nanterre? Nanterre is to the west of Paris. It's about fifteen minutes okay. on the train from central Paris. Mm -hmm. And describe the the demographic there. What's it like? Um, it's uh, it's not a rich neighborhood. Uh, it was tr mm -hmm. traditionally white uh, working class. Um, a lot of the white working class has been replaced by the North African immigrants uh, from the Maghreb. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Morocco, Algeria, mm -hmm. Tunisia. Um, I wouldn't. I never thought of it as a as a dangerous place to to be. Um, frankly, it's not the you know it's not the the nicest uh, neighborhoods in Paris or in the Parisian suburbs, but a, a relatively normal Paris suburb, I would say. Mm -hmm. were, were you surprised when you saw? this in the news um not surprised that there was a confrontation with the police following this event because um well i guess everyone has to make up their own minds and the courts will decide uh, about uh, whether the police officer should have done this um or whether it was criminal um but i was certainly surprised by the the response um which was i mean very sudden and very, um, very violent and uh, pretty frightening, frankly. Well, this does tie into Welbeck because as readers of Welbeck will know, he has been highly criticised for his uh, opinions or his writing on um, the tension between uh, France, uh, white France, France as we know it, and new France with its multiculturalism in particular, migration from those French colonies in North Africa. Um, I've spent a bit of time in France and you you do notice that there is a bit of a tension. How would you paint the picture for, mm. for people who aren't familiar with France and the culture? Um, I, I agree with you. It, uh, it does feel that there is a bit of uh, more than a, well, tension, or let's say a kind of, there's a different lifestyle. For example, um, I was in Bordeaux, not this weekend, but the previous weekend for a, for a wedding. And uh, it was really striking walking around uh, sort of downtown Bordeaux, um, that there are kind of cafes where North African men, uh, exclusively men, go to drink coffee and smoke uh, shisha 
and then all of the rest of the local population there in Bordeaux uh, drinking wine and uh, eating their uh, charcuterie, you know, the cold, cold mm-hmm. meats. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, it really is a kind of, there is that separation, you do feel it. In Paris, it, a little bit less so because the nature of Paris is that um, it's uh, frankly a really expensive place to live. So you have sort of um, poorer neighborhoods and then um, wealthier neighborhoods. And and so it's not as, I don't know, it's not as stark as it was when I, when I went to Bordeaux, or maybe it's just a change of scenery. But uh, it did occur to me that there are certain cultural differences, which I think um, it's difficult to imagine how um, this is sort of reconciled or how you... Mm-hmm. Um, get to a situation where you have a monoculture, which, by the way, France is not a, a multicultural country. They don't subscribe to this idea mm. that we do in Australia and England, um, I guess, to, in the US. France is a monoculture. We have our Republican values. And if you want to live in France, you have to subscribe to them. Uh, so it's a different mm-hmm. conception. And certainly, yeah, and certainly I don't think they've been six, successful in that regard, although... I mean, there's two ways of looking at it. The French have not been successful or the immigrants haven't signed up, signed on to, you know, what everyone else um, has signed on to, which is the, the, the Republican values. And yeah, France is a very um, secular nation. Mm. They've banned, I'm not sure when that came about, but, um, you know, I did a brief exchange at a um, public school there and you don't wear crucifixes, nor yarmulkes, nor um, hijab. Um, That's so central um, to the French culture and the banning of the burqa and the burkini and Mm. all all that as well. Um, But at the same time, I know the tension is that the French colonized North Africa. Mm. So I saw that um, after these riots recently, I, I heard some people saying, well, if you don't like it, go home. If you if you don't like France, go back to where you came from. And those people saying, well, um, we're here because you colonized our country. Mm. And I think, um, was it the Pierre Noir, the, mm. the men who, the North African men who fought um, for France mm. and died for France. And it's so, well, it's, it's a common story. And yeah, that's what Welbeck talks about, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, absolutely. I mean, to a, to a, to a large extent, certainly in submission, he considers uh, he considers the compatibility of of, of Islam with with uh, you know, French Republican values, and it's actually really a precept of the of the book is that that they are incompatible. The question is how we resolve this, and the answer is it's mm-hmm. an intriguing one. It's uh, it's a it's a really clever and insightful um, sort of vision into uh, you know, how this could be resolved. Is that uh, basically the 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 left forms an alliance with the um, the uh, Islamic population, and um, we have a sort of peaceful resolution um, between these two communities. But in the end, the the, the Islamists is the dominant group. And everyone has to convert to Islam. And, and in the end, it's actually good for people like the white male because uh, it, once the, 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 the main character converts, 
he has a pretty plum job, he can have multiple wives. So it's a bizarre kind of thought experiment, um, which only Welbeck could, could, could come up with. Mm. So why do you think he's criticised as being Islamophobic and was actually sued, I think, on a few occasions and taken to court for yeah. Islamophobia? Sure. Yeah, he's been taken to court uh, at least twice. Once was in 2001 when he said Islam is the stupidest religion uh, in promoting mm -hmm. his book uh, Platform, uh, which also envisions a kind of violent terrorist. Platform is much mm -hmm. more violent than uh, submission. Hmm. Um, hmm. I've read both, but I'm sort of struggling to platforms. The one he goes to Thailand as well. That's or the right. The that's right. protagonist goes to Thailand. Yes. Yeah. Very. Yeah. It's a hard read at times that yeah. his books are so, um, it's another reason why they're controversial, right? They're so vulgar in many ways. <laughs> um, not just for the comments on, um, Islam or religion, but, um, sex, mm. which just seems so so French. Mm. And I wonder if any other country or culture could have produced Welbeck. I don't <laughs> no, think I, I, could have. I totally agree. He could own, he could only be French. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And mm. in the new book, he, he goes into some pretty unsparing detail about, uh, um, you know, these sexual encounters he was, uh, involved in with these, uh, Dutch, um, mm -hmm. Uh, this Dutch, uh, this Dutch art, art, art collective, yeah, who wanted to to make a film mm -hmm. uh, starring him. Yeah, so his new book is um, "Quelques Mois Dans Ma Vie," um, a few months of my life, and yeah, as, as you write in your piece, um, he got himself embroiled in this um, pickle. Maybe that's not the right word, um, <laughs> but he. He sort of signed a contract uh, that he yeah. would be in this film where he would have sex with, mm. uh, was it one young fan or multiple young mm. fans? Mm. Um, what happened was he was contacted by the, the kind of leader of this group whom mm -hmm. he calls the cockroach, uh, which gives you an idea of his uh, opinion of, of this, uh, this, this Dutch uh, filmmaker concerning something, something unrelated, just to sort of form a rapport with Welbeck. And then once he had established a, a kind of line, a direct line to him, um, he said, oh, I'm coming to Paris and I'm with a, a nice young lady who'd love to sleep with you. And Welbeck being the guy that he is, um, well, I mean, it's even shocking if you sort of understand the, the character. He sends his wife to meet uh, mm. the pair, so Stefan, and uh, this woman he calls the Sow. Um, and, um, his wife sort of agrees that they would have a threesome. So the Sal, Welbeck's wife and Welbeck, and then the Sal, um, I feel bad using that, um, term, but let's <laughs> go with it. Um, she convinces them that she would film it for her OnlyFans account. Um, Welbeck apparently didn't understand that. OnlyFans is a commercial thing, you know, people have it and they make a living from it. He thought it was like this thing for fans and it's, it's exhibitionism, but it's not a commercial thing. Anyway, so it was filmed and uh, Welbeck has what he describes as a pretty unsatisfying sexual encounter with, with the Sal, who apparently showed harsh birds, very harsh, who showed no signs of uh, bisexuality, which was very disappointing to him. And then they, Stefan, so the cockroach, suggested that he come to the Netherlands where a whole 
coterie of young ladies were eager to sleep with him. And despite what had happened in Paris, uh, Welbeck agreed. He went to Amsterdam, but he signed a contract which he had, you know, they'd negotiated beforehand. And he insisted, this is for a kind of art film. I'm starring, I'm sleeping with these women and you can film certain things, but this is an art film, basically. This isn't a porn film. Um, and he, he was pretty sure that this clause in the contract that he had insisted was included would prevent any kind of pornographic video emerging, which would obviously be highly embarrassing to him. He didn't realize that he'd also in that contract signed to the cockroach the rights to diffuse the, the, the video that had been filmed in Paris. There was nothing art film. I don't think about that. It was just like an amateur porn film with himself, his wife and the, wow. and the South. So that's how, uh, yeah, that's how it all started. <laughs> you describe him um, as saying in the book that he suffered so badly from this incident that he ruined his sex drive, which is obviously very strong in him. So that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, that he suffered almost from bulimia mm. and all these other um, horrible, horrible conditions. So. Mm. Um, but despite that, despite that happening to him, you don't have that much sympathy for him, right? Yeah, it's it's strange because when I have the book here, when I bought it, I thought, great, another Welbeck. Uh, I love Welbeck and this is autobiographical. I know that it concerned two, two scandals. It's a, it's a small book. So I thought, uh, you know, I'm going to just enjoy this. And I did enjoy it. It's, uh, it's written in his characteristically kind of wry um, style. And uh, it's very frank. Um, he goes into little tangents about, you know, how much he appreciates amateur pornography and, and he manages to sort of integrate literary references. And, um, so it's a great read. Um, what that's probably something that doesn't come through in my article is that it's a really enjoyable read. Um, but that said, I, I was, I did walk away from it thinking, Okay, so you're unhappy about being in trouble for race, uh, inciting racial hatred for words that you yourself said and you have had, have sort of renounced, so admitted were things you probably shouldn't have said or went too far. Um, so you're upset about that and you're upset about this thing with um, the Dutch uh, art collective, but you were a sort of willing participant and you didn't show any, you know, you didn't adequately read the contract or send it to a lawyer. I mean, this is not a, a guy without resources um, or advisors. So as much as I'm a fan of, of, of Welbeck, I, I had, you know, my conclusion was, well, what do you expect? I mean, mm -hmm. you, you, you mm. very much. You're victim blaming. May, maybe, <laughs> maybe I am. Maybe I am. But it seems that he's the, you know, the, the architect of all his own problems. Um, so that was just my honest conclusion. Wasn't one that I particularly mm -hmm. wanted to arrive at um, as a fan, mm -hmm. but uh, that was my, yeah, that was my honest conclusion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, you sort of argue that um, because he, he has been so hedonistic. Hedonism, yeah, well, he's also. That it's come to bite him on the butt. He's also quite moralistic in some ways. Mm. You know, for example, and obviously you can have a different point of view on different issues, but he has he seems to have almost a kind of Christian ethic on certain issues like abortion and euthanasia. Um, so obviously he's against 
those practices. He, he thinks that the 1960s was a disaster for the human race because mm -hmm. it set in train this era of libertinism and uh, a loss of morals. But on the other hand, you know, he... It's quite ironic. Yeah, he ha then he mm. has these orgies with, with these young fans mm. and uh, he's three times divorced. I don't think, I mean, it's not clear, but it seems that he's estranged from his only son, which there's obviously a pattern there in, in the family. Um, but I just find him, uh, his, his philosophical beliefs confused. Mm -hmm. It seems that, and, and he, he's very candid about sort of trying to understand his own moral code. And, you know, he's very intellectually honest. I just think that I just find some of his beliefs hard to reconcile or maybe even totally contradictory, fr uh, frankly. Hmm. Yeah. What's the general opinion uh, in France uh, regarding Volbeck? Hmm. Um, same as same as anywhere, to be honest. Uh, you have mm -hmm. people who. It seems to me that the same proportion of the population who, let's say, reads books like him, as in, any, as anywhere else. So some people you know you say the name and they roll their eyes and they say he's that kind of pretentious um you know classic french old school chauvinist mm -hmm. lech kind of guy exactly <laughs> and then and then you mention the name and someone springs up immediately and they and they they absolutely mm -hmm. adore him so very much the same as elsewhere it's just that he's a bit um better known here yeah i mean I know the reason I I like him. The the first book I read was um, Submission, Submission. Mm. I read it in French, so I probably didn't understand quite as much as I would have understood in English. I'll have to reread it. But I just found it so unlike anything I'd ever read yeah. before. But I liked it because it was like, for example, like Lolita by Nabokov or like even Brett Easton Ellis's books, which absolutely shook me you know they were so outrageous and vile at times and vulgar I love that stuff I love that in film yeah. in art and and just the topics he was talking about these you know highly um controversial topics um regarding France's history yeah. and um colonialism and religion I just found it so yeah titillating yeah, no for sure I mean he manages to to mix pretty unlikely elements. You know, you have the candid sex scenes, um, then you have philosophy being integrated into all his stories, bits of science fiction, obviously, especially in submission, um, speculative fiction, and uh, somehow he, he makes it all work. But um, frankly, I think for me, what I enjoy most is just just his just his observations of, of, of life as a, as a single male, try basically trying to get laid, mm. you know, um, it's, yeah, it's, um, it, and you know that there's so much of himself in these characters, but you, you're looking at this character who's so abject, so pathetic, and it's just, it's hilarious. And, and I mm -hmm. admire that because I think fiction nowadays is so, how would I describe it? trying to construct sort of perpetrator 
and victim and it's the perpetrator is always that guy and the victim's usually mm -hmm. this guy writing the book or the character in the book who resembles yeah. the author and Welbeck's mm -hmm. books his characters are the victims of his society but it's not he's mm -hmm. not saying feel sorry for me as he does in this book mm -hmm. he's saying look how absurd look how ridiculous this character is look how pathetic this character is and I I think what stands out above all for me is just how funny that that is and I think especially when you once you understand that I'm not sure if he's explicitly said they're based on him mm. but it's quite obvious that he's in there and with his his appearance and his demeanor he's if people haven't seen a photo <laughs> he's a very um unattractive older man I'm not sure how old he is now he'd be in his he, seven yeah late he, 60s. he's close I th oh, 56 if he's born in 1956 he'd be 65 or something, something. Like about my parents age yeah. yeah um and you know he's a chain smoker and his hair is crazy and um uh, yet he he was married or is married to like a far younger like Chinese woman and even that's interesting considering you know people sort of branding him as a racist mm. you know but he's with this Chinese woman <laughs> and then he also um discusses at least in platform like going to Southeast Asia to participate in sex tourism mm. with Asian women and yeah um not that he says that he does it the character does it but um mm. yeah what a character he is um, he's, he's got this kind of goblin quality in his in his older age you know he's kind of definitely hunched over this grotesque wisps of yeah. hair and uh yeah. it, he's not an attractive man nowadays but surprisingly if you see photos of him when he was in his 20s and 30s he was he was a very handsome young man um, you think uh, well i'm not such a good judge to be honest but I mean, <laughs> I've seen some when he was really young in his in his 20s. I saw a photo yesterday of him. I was reading an article about him and uh, I thought, wow, he he was a pretty handsome young guy. I think at a certain point, though, something switched pretty quick. OK, so what do you think is like the future of Welbeck? Does he show any signs of stopping on the Islamophobia front or do you <laughs> think he's going to keep criticizing it? Well, you know, his defense in, in, in the book uh, concerning his recent comments was basically to say, look, talking about there's going to be a civil war and there's going to be Bataclans in reverse. That's what he said. So, uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it is pretty um, uh, strong language. He did walk away from that and he said, look, it was a long interview. I actually wanted to edit it. And this is his whole... Um, grievance with with the guy who interviewed him who was previously a kind of he's a very well-known philosopher in france um and mm -hmm. previously what interview is his that, name sorry? is michel Onfray, and uh oh, yeah right. yes. he's he's very well known in france he's probably the leading sort of one of the leading public intellectuals and welbeck had previously spoken very highly of him as an admirer and uh, following this interview, they've had a, obviously a big falling out because Welbeck thinks he should have allowed him to um, to correct his words or to have it taken out yeah. or edited out or whatever. Um, but uh, concerning his remarks in that interview, which got him in trouble, uh, he basically said, I went too far. I want to correct the record. So I don't think his views have changed. I think he sort of maybe misspoke or exaggerated a bit. 
um, and he'll continue to comment on you know the compatibility of of Islam and and French culture. And frankly, um, I think mm. that's a good thing. I think he's an interesting voice. There are certainly issues mm -hmm. which needs to be dis need to be discussed. So I I, I hope he'll stay. You know, he's a pretty private guy, uh, which is another reason this book is of such interest. But um, I hope he'll continue to comment in the public domain, and I hope he'll produce more books. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I found the last one, the most recent one, Anyantir, uh, to annihilate. Um, it's seven hundred and twenty pages. Uh, I there's no English version, so. It's pretty labored reading in French. Wasn't my favorite read of his at all. So he might be at the end of his career, but who knows? Maybe he'll maybe he'll come back with something just as kind of shocking and um, prescient as he has been uh, in the past. I hope so. And I hope he starts feeling a little bit better and gets his sex drive back <laughs> <laughs> or maybe i he should give it a rest yeah maybe it's better the world's better without it yeah <laughs> um okay and perhaps uh before we go uh do you would you like to talk about your your writing you've written this trilogy it seems uh pretty interesting i haven't read any of them yet unfortunately but i plan to uh sure so i've written first of all, for you guys a number of times. And uh, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm grateful that mm -hmm. you've given me a platform to talk about mm -hmm. things that interest me. But uh, concerning these books, yeah, I, I wrote three books. I don't know where it came from. Um, I never had any idea of being a writer, but maybe Paris does that to, to a person. Um, so I wrote these three books, which I self-published. One is set in uh, Sydney, where I'm from. Um, and I know where you guys are based. Uh, one is set in, in Rio. In Brazil, where I lived for about eight months, and one is set in, in Paris, where I live now. And um, I don't think they're super influenced, maybe partially influenced by Welbeck, but um, they're sort of psychological novels um, about the, the psychological effects of a city have on a person um, who doesn't, okay. doesn't have enough to keep him distracted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm. Uh, is it a young male protagonist yeah, as well? Yeah, in every case, yes. First person? Just a, okay. just a coincidence, of mm. course. Interesting, interesting. Um, okay, and do you have any other um, essays your, your, that are in the works for Quillette? Anything else you'd like to write about? You've written uh, a lot about France, mm. um, obviously, um, about French politics and also about uh, Comte, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, the, Comte, yeah, um, yeah. Comte. Comte, ah, yeah. Oops. A, I'm thinking of the cheese. Yeah, yeah, the Comte. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was that was the first one. And actually, Welbeck mm -hmm. is a big fan of, of Comte. And uh, I actually sent him, I found his email address, Michel Welbeck. And I actually sent him, I, wow. I sent him an email saying, you know, I published this thing on August Comte, who I know is a big influence on you. And uh, discussing other things, uh, you know, common interests, ask, asking him if he likes certain uh writers and he he wrote back a, a fairly lengthy reply how nice um and uh he said he wouldn't read the essay because it's in english and it's too too much effort but uh, otherwise uh he gave me a few insights into his influences we talked a bit uh, he talked a bit about science fiction because i had mentioned a few books so uh that's a is he a fan of science fiction big fan, yeah 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 big fan interesting yeah. 
so that was an. I wouldn't have. I've never really thought about science fiction outside of the English language, but I assume there's a. Well, I know there are some. Yeah,、Spanish、he's a big fan of Engli- writers, English-speaking、yeah. science fiction,、um, especially kind of weird、mm-hmm. fiction like H.P. Lovecraft. His first book was a book. Ah,、mm, uh, yes, I did know about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah.、Uh, so that's a big influence on him, and you can see that influence especially、mm-hmm. in in the possibility of an island which is set two thousand years、mm-hmm. uh, in the future. So. Wow. Yeah. Okay, and you've also written about yeah Celine.、Mm. Okay, so you're in the right country, obviously. <laughs> Do you think you'll you'll stay there? You'll stay I've actually、uh, just put an offer on a flat, so I guess I'm staying here for a bit. <laughs> Amazing, lucky、yeah. you. So, okay, but, well, but hope... I'm I'm proud that you came from Sydney. <laughs> well, I love Sydney.、Um, uh, great, it's a. It's a unique,、uh, unique place, and I'm looking forward to visiting、uh, at the end of the year. Yeah, I'm actually visiting Paris at the end of the year too. Hopefully, we don't. Yeah, hopefully we can. Yeah, cross sure, paths. Sure. Not be in the opposite hemispheres. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay.、Um, well, it was lovely talking to、Me、you,、too. and thanks so much for your contributions to Quillette. And hopefully, we see you published again soon. Yeah, look forward to it. Thanks so much, Zoe.